We've had, uh, I've had an opportunity to uh, minister to one of the lady's sons that uh, is gonna come up and share her testimony and had a chance to coach him in wrestling. And what a, what a great kid. And to see him around here and to see her around here and see the growth that happens in their life is huge. And so will you guys please welcome Laura as she comes up to share her testimony with us. My name's Laura, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I am an adult child of a dysfunctional family. Hello. Hello. I attend CR for anger and resentment. Uh, Psalm 74:12 says that my God, excuse me, my God works deeds of deliverance in the midst of the earth. Please pray with me. Lord, this is how I praise you tonight. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the body um, that you have here that has been lifting me up to you. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the hope that's here, Lord. Thank you for the work that you've done in my life. I just pray that you would uh, use me, Lord. Use me and what you've done, um, that you would show yourself um, to someone, to everyone here tonight, Lord, about who you really are and what you actually do, Father. Help me keep it together, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I was born at home in 1985 to a mom, a dad, an older sister, and two older brothers. Pictures from that time would show a family that from the outside seemed pretty normal. I grew up in Northern California. I spent most of my childhood exploring the woods, playing at friends' houses, riding my bike at the beach, or spending time with relatives. Like many, I grew up with family secrets that as a child, I didn't know how to process. My dad, a Vietnam vet, suffers from PTSD, and my family suffered from the consequences of him not seeking treatment. One of my earliest memories is from a family dinner that ended up with the table turned over and my mom taking me and leaving our house. We didn't go far, and we ended up back at home, but this loss of self-control and rage was a theme that permeated my home and eventually my own life. My sister moved out of the house when I was eight, and this is when I remember my youngest older brother becoming a problem for our family, and a sense of chaos and impending disaster never leaving my mind. I remember hoping that my parents would get divorced, but being so scared that they actually would, wondering if we would get a call that my brother had been arrested or was dead. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was living in fight or flight mode and creating patterns in my thinking and processing of the world that would later affect all of my relationships and my ability to see reality. All throughout my childhood, Jesus was someone I sang about, learned about, and trusted had saved me from hell. My mom is a believer and continually brought me to church where I saw her serve selflessly, love the word of God, and never waver in her faith in him. She has been integral in my foundation of faith and has been an example of steadfast love. And I am so thankful for praying mothers. Church was not something that we did as a family. And I did love church and had a relationship with God, but church was a place of do's and don'ts with little explanation or vulnerability. This added to my dysfunctional thinking and led me down the path of works-based faith. 
During most of my preteen and high school years, my family dealt with the problems of my brother. His behaviors and issues were a strain on our family, consumed my parents' time and energy, and added to the tension of our home. It was through this that I learned to be good, not cause trouble for my parents, and to not talk about things that were happening in my home and life. Everyone in our extended family and church knew about my brother and family's problems, yet I don't remember people talking about it, and especially not with me. I learned how to suffer in silence, but never learned how to process any sort of conflict, strain, or crisis. I would choose to withdraw completely when I was upset or when something upsetting happened. Suffering in silence and not talking about things led me to build up resentments, hold grudges, gave me a desire to seek revenge against anyone who wronged me and to run away from my problems. Excuse me. I experienced a personal relationship with Jesus my sophomore and junior years of high school after plugging in with a youth group and a solid group of friends. But the continued deterioration of my family and the choices my siblings were making weighed on me. I had a sense of my inability to be what God expected me to be, what the church says a good Christian is, but I didn't have the guidance to understand God's grace. So I succumbed to the world. What benefit was there to try and strive to be godly and good when so many people around me were doing whatever they wanted and seemed to be having a good time doing it? So my senior year of high school, I started to rebel and found myself lying to my parents, going to parties, smoking pot, and binge drinking. I sought validation in relationships with boys and found that for a short period of time, I was needed by someone and had power over something in my life. After I chose to walk away from God and live for myself, my general attitude was one of desperation, searching the world for self-worth, belonging, identity, and the next best thing. Over the next few years, no matter where I found myself, I still felt lost. After graduating high school, I moved near my sister to go to junior college, but I found myself working a minimum wage job, partying with my newfound friends, and after two failed attempts at junior college and a few dollars to my name, I decided to join the United States Army. Instead of making the effort to change things, I chose to run. I was convinced that the armed forces was the elite of America and that I would be able to find a better life and purpose as I served my country. Come to find out, the Army's just a bunch of people. And I found myself partying, sleeping around, and again, purposeless. In 2005, I volunteered to be assigned to a mobile support hospital so I could deploy to Iraq. I would have rather gone into a war zone than face myself. That unit did not deploy, so I signed up for the Army's LVN course instead. I was accepted into the nursing program and went to Texas to begin my training. There I met my future husband. We met in October 2005 and married in January 2006. I was convinced we were soulmates. At the very least, we were drinking buddies. And for sure, we were friends. He was a believer, walking in the world, but I felt a peace knowing he had a belief in the same savior that I did. I didn't see it then, but I thought becoming a wife would give me a sense of identity. We finished our training together, and needs of the army sent us to North Carolina. I was pregnant with our first child and was hoping that becoming a mother would give me the sense of purpose I'd been looking for. 
In 2007, we became parents, and I distinctly remember loving my son, but noticing that being a mother wasn't something that was easy for me. The ability to love and be loved didn't come naturally within that or other relationships. There was underlying frustration, disappointment, and stress that fueled a growing dissatisfaction in me and in motherhood. These things only escalated after we had our second child in 2009. Things were stressful. My husband worked full-time, went to school full-time, and served in the Army Reserves. I'd gotten out of the Army to raise our boys and went to school online and worked part-time. I was told over and over that this stress was the cause of all the tension and conflict within myself and our home. But I knew that there was something deeper and more seriously wrong with me than just stress. At this point, my marriage was beyond suffering. Screaming matches were a common way for us to communicate, as well as days of the cold shoulder with no attempts at healthy communication. We both easily found words that cut so deep, and in my hurt, I consistently and intentionally hurt my husband. I can see now how I thought that by marrying and having a family, I'd be saved from myself that my husband would be a knight in shining armor who would rescue me from my inner turmoil and that becoming a mother would give me an identity that I could embrace. While my relationship with my husband and children continued to suffer, my relationship with God was also strained. Even though I was active in my church, went to mops, read the word and prayed, I didn't have peace. I was unable to accept or understand the grace and peace that Jesus provides and continued to look at the outside of everyone else's life and pass judgment on them, all the while knowing that the inside of my own life was a disaster. Christianity was more of a religion to me than a relationship, and while I was conflicted about my life and mindset and wanted God to heal me, I didn't know how to let him. After a few years in North Carolina, I convinced my husband to move. When things are out of control and you don't wanna face yourself, run. We found ourselves in Alaska, Eventually, two more babies arrived in 2010 and 2011. I continued my education, graduating with my RN. During this time, not only did my marriage continue to suffer, but my relationship with my children did as well. When things were overwhelming, which was daily for me, I was yelling, screaming, or completely withdrawn. I was creating the same emotionally unstable, insecure, unhealthy environment for my own children that I'd experienced growing up. I could see how I was crushing my family with my choices, but I felt completely helpless to change anything. I remember crying out to God to take away all of my anger and realizing that I couldn't be the person God required me to be. People continued to tell me that I was tired, overwhelmed, and that things would change and get easier when the kids got older. I remember sharing with people how desperate I felt, how rotten I was, and how often I was dismissed and left again to suffer in silence. I finally got to a point where I left the church, stopped talking to God, and gave up on trying to be a good Christian. I couldn't do it anyways. I was sick inside. God wouldn't take away my anger, and I couldn't keep pretending to be okay. Romans 7, 18 says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I truly wanted to change, but unknowingly continued to try and do it in my own power and continued to fail. 
During this time, my husband was patient with me, and even when he didn't understand what I was going through or when I wouldn't share, he was there. Even when I tried to push him away, he never left me or the kids. And even though I continually threatened and asked for divorce or separation, he never left. My mom encouraged me to get professional help, so I went to counseling. It was here that I discovered that as a child, I had acquired many coping skills that were no longer useful to me, and that I was still living in that fight-or-flight mode that served me well for survival as a child, but made me tense, explode at the drop of a hat, and assume the worst of everything and everyone. I also read a book called The Cure, which opened my eyes to what grace-based faith looks like. This was one of the most freeing moments in my walk with the Lord. I understood that I couldn't be who God wanted me to be, but that was the point. That's why he sent Jesus. I remember having true peace, knowing that I didn't have to pretend anymore. I wasn't good, and I didn't have it all together, and I didn't have to. Jesus was my friend, and he was going to do the work with me. God gently pulled me back into his arms where he had been keeping me all along. In 2012, my husband and I decided to move to California to be closer to family, and I wanted to continue my journey of healing, so we chose Big Valley Grace Church to attend because there was CR. I had heard about CR through my brother, who attended after his own recovery from chemical addiction. I attended the women's anger group regularly and started a step study. God moved in my life through large group and open share and the workbooks. Having a safe place to speak, knowing I wouldn't be misunderstood, corrected, or told things will get better was crucial in my ability to continue to heal. But during my step study, I did not find a sponsor, and because of this, I did not complete step five with another person and I did not have the balance and encouragement that a sponsor provides. I completed my step study with my group but did not feel like I finished well. At this point, I saw change in my life and had done a step study, so most of the work was done and I didn't need to continue in recovery, so I stopped coming to CR. <laughs> I did have victories in many areas of my life. I saw change and improvement in my freedom in Christ allowing him to change me and love me where I am, rather than having to wait to get somewhere emotionally, mentally, or spiritually before I can receive his love. I could be honest with God about my pain, my struggles, and my shortcomings without fear of letting anyone down or not being the perfect good child. I began to love myself and combat lies of being unlovable, unwanted, and unworthy. Life was better. My relationship with God was better. My parenting and my relationships with my family were better. I forgave and offered forgiveness to my parents and siblings. I continued a living testimony to my kids and my husband. I thought that things were going to be fixed, but nothing changes if nothing changes. There was still more work to do, more healing, more digging and shaping and refining. God's word says that it's a refining fire and I felt the flames. My marriage was still in shambles. I was holding on to so many hurts and was so busy pointing out my husband's defects of character and shortcomings that I was failing to see my own. Don't get me wrong, he played his own part in our dysfunction and chaos, but I continually blamed him for everything and lived as the victim. Resentment is defined as the bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly, persistent ill will at someone or something. And that was my life song. I sang it very loudly for my husband to hear, 
my kids to witness, and my soul to be consumed by. What was said and done to me was the end all. I was blind to my part. I was trying to defend myself and make things right, make my husband look bad and feel bad and be responsible for all of my problems. I wanted to quit, be done, and not have to deal with it anymore, run away and not have to face myself. I regularly threatened to divorce my husband and leave my family, and this was the only as this was the only solution that made any sense to me. I was so tired of being hurt and hurting others, but I couldn't change anything. After running away with my kids in 2020, praying that God would allow me to die in a car accident, hating myself and life, paralyzed by my hurt and discontent, seeing that nothing was changing, I decided that enough is enough, and in January of 2021, I walked back through the doors of Celebrate Recovery. I went to Open Share, I got a sponsor, and I began working the steps. I was told to focus on my recovery, not on my marriage. I was told to pray and let God and have faith that God will do the changing. I did an honest inventory and believe it or not, God showed me my part. As hard as step four and five are, it's a beautiful thing to be free. That is what this is all about. My freedom to be who God created me to be. He didn't create me to be hurt or to be offended, to hold grudges, to lash out, to point fingers, to hate or to hurt others. He created me to be like his son and love him and love people, even when it's difficult. There was so much freedom in seeing things for what they were. I understood that I'm responsible for how I process hurt, for how I respond, and for how I move on. Step six states, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And this is where I started to see change. I wrote in a journal entry, step five provided freedom and a new start, but didn't change the conflict within my marriage. Lord, step six is where the healing comes. Remove the log in my eye, not so I can point out my husband's speck of sawdust, but so I can see him and love him how you do. God has changed my heart, allowing me to see my husband differently, to take accountability for my part in our struggles, given me a desire to stick with it, see things through and not give up on my marriage when it is difficult or not as I would have it. I no longer process every little conflict with my husband through 16 years of hurt. I can forgive him when he hurts me and truly move on. I'm no longer saving up offenses so I can use them to defend myself another time. God is my defender. And Psalm 35, one and two says, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. The 12 steps and the eight principles of recovery have given me the ability to deal with conflict, crisis, and the strain that life brings in a healthy way. These are things I never learned growing up in a dysfunctional home. CR has given me tools that I can model for my children so that maybe they can have healthier relationships and avoid some of the heartache that I have experienced and that I have caused. God has led me through this process so I could see what I had become, allow him to remove all those defects of character and continue to refine me to be who I actually am. 
Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. I know that he's making me more like his son and that I have plenty of refining left to do, but that someday I will see the true version of myself with him, free from defects and hangups. I no longer look to relationships, motherhood, my husband, or work for my identity, but to Christ. It's in this identity that I can make and have made amends and be accountable for my part without fear or shame. The amends that I've been able to make transcend just my words and actions and have gone deeper into my resentments and victim mentality. Part of the problems of being an adult child of a dysfunctional family are seeking tension and crisis and then complaining about the results, aggravating conflicts and rarely dealing with it, fear of rejection and abandonment but a rejecting of others, or fear of criticism and judgment yet criticize and judge others. It was within these problems that my amends brought healing. I was sorry and accountable for isolating myself from my husband and his family, for being critical of the people in my life and fueling conflict within relationships, judging my husband for all of his shortcomings and for complaining about my life, but doing nothing to change it. Being able to talk about my part with each person that I made amends with gave me opportunity for conversations about my recovery and what God has done. Multiple people mentioned that they had seen a difference in me over the past months, and that meant just as much to me as their willingness to accept my apology. I have a flashcard taped to my closet that in capital letters says change. I have to admit that when I started this process and hung that up, I was hoping that my husband would see that note card and get the message. (laughs) But thankfully, God was faithful to change me. And I can see the fruit of that change in most of my relationships and in my marriage. Things aren't perfect, and they never will be. But I'm enjoying accepting things how they are, not as I would have them, seeing my husband how Jesus does, and feeling the freedom to be who God created me to be, no longer drowning from the weight of my inner chaos. Things aren't perfect, and I'm okay with that. I still have stuff that I have to fight, but as my sponsor has said, God is the one doing the fighting. And so keeping surrendered has been the most important thing, thing in my recovery. Excuse me. One way that I do this is by literally saying, okay, God, in the midst of losing control because of decisions that others have made or hurtful words from a loved one or an obstacle related to work, I can begin to spin out allowing my thoughts to furiously race out of control and to the extremes. Or I can say, okay, God, and allow him to work things out for me and in me. God has created me to help and encourage, and I have done that consistently through my life. But my recovery has shown me that there are unhealthy behaviors that motivate me in serving others and has allowed me to slow down and acknowledge those things. In the past, I've used serving as a way to keep busy and distracted allowing me to avoid problems at home or using up time that I could have invested in serving my children or husband. I've also used serving to meet my unhealthy need to be needed because I have a tendency to feel inadequate and unworthy. I used to help others excessively and then eventually give so much that I would have nothing left. And then I would resent those who had freely taken from me for not giving anything back. 
Early on in my most recent step study, my sponsor told me that she would need to approve any new commitments to service that I make. I was completely taken aback. Who did she think she was to tell me how thin I can spread myself or how exhausted I can make myself trying to meet the needs of others all the while neglecting my own? How dare she? But go figure, she was right. While I have stepped back considerably from my commitments in serving, I serve as a mentor to a young woman, help in the youth and family ministries intermittently, and provide medical support for different church events. Learning balance has been really hard, but I no longer serve to distract myself, run from problems at home, or to fulfill my sick need to be needed. I serve because God has given me a heart for his people. I encourage the newcomer to trust and surrender to this process. Allow God's perfect love to cast out the fear that holds you back from, sharing, from speaking in open share, from acknowledging the hurt, the character defects, or the damage that's been done, or from seeking out a sponsor or making connections of support. Keep coming back, keep surrendered, and keep reminding yourself that you're not alone. God is with you always, and there's an auditorium full of people every Tuesday night that are just like you, broken, healing, and being redeemed. Thank you for letting me share. That was so awesome. That was way better than I thought it was gonna be. That was great. Laura, no, seriously, though, that was a great story. You were able to share your brokenness and not get in details and uh, share how God was able to uh, change your heart. And I'm so grateful that you allowed him to do that. So I know your family's blessed by it and uh, we're blessed by it. So she's around here all the time. So uh, if you see her and her testimony impacted your life, I encourage you to uh, go up and tell her. Tell her thank you for sharing her story. And uh, I look forward to hearing your story up here. So let's close our time with the serenity prayer and then we'll head off to group. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen, amen.